It's great to have Joshua Laurie of Cast the Dragon here on The Antidote. Thanks for coming, Joshua. Thank you for having me. Cast the Dragon may be a new project, but you've been in the music scene forever. So I don't know, will you right. give your age away if I ask how many years it's been? Um, I started uh, around 90, well, my first band I'd say was 93. I started playing in 91, so I'm turning 45 here this month. So, <laughs> so you don't mind giving your age away? Not at all. Now, how about your wife? Does she feel the same way about that? Um, yeah, she's eight years younger than me, so I don't think she minds. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, you do have a big music background. You care to yeah. explain? Um, well, let's see. I got into my first band. My brother was in a band, and they kicked their bass player out and told me to get a bass. And I had the notes taped down the neck, played everything on the E string, and kind of was off and rolling right away and writing songs and i haven't really stopped since then uh, i've been in all kinds of various styles of bands and projects and um most of it was around the christian music scene i was also uh so growing up where i did in the bay area san francisco oakland bay area i was also part of the punk rock scene that was down there where bands like green day and rancid all came out of there uh, i saw them all before they were famous um so i was a big part of that scene Either I was either in a Christian band or in somebody's punk band playing bass. So I was a lot of times in two or three bands at a time. And uh, just met a lot of people. We had a Christian venue that was run by Frank Tate, who did 5-Minute Walk Records. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was before he did that. And um, it was called The Scream. It was in Concord, California. And at the time, he was managing the prayer chain in the 77s. And uh, I would help run sound a lot uh, with Masaki Lou, who produced a lot of the Five Iron Frenzy records. And uh, he was the guitar player in Dime Store Profits, good friend of mine. Met a lot of bands and stuff back then, made a lot of connections. So it just kind of been rolling since the 90s, I've been doing things. So The artistic era of Christian music. Oh, gosh. That was an amazing time. Really, really was. That venue was uh, in a school cafeteria. The church that Frank went to, um, they bought a school out, I guess, and um, that's where they had their church, but they used the old cafeteria, had a stage. So that was the venue, and um, it would hold about 500, 600 kids, and most shows were packed out. Yeah, it was a really good time, a lot of great memories back then. Amazing. Okay, tell us the Christian projects that you were involved with. So um, most of them were kind of local bands in my scene. Nothing really uh, made it. Um, I did play in Masaki's band called Rivulets and Violets. It's kind of a dream pop kind of band. Um, I played a couple shows with him, and then uh, I moved away for a while. Kind of fast forward, I was in um, just a lot of various punk bands. Most of them were not Christian. Um, around 2006, I started talking to Michael Knott. Oh, yeah. Line, and um, I commissioned him to do a painting for me. And started talking to him and was like, hey, I have a recording studio if you ever want to do anything. And uh, we ended up doing an LSU record together called PTSD. Oh, yeah. Um, came out in 2009, I believe. And uh, from then on, I started working with him quite a bit. After that album, we did one called Heaven High by Lifesavers. And then we did an EP called Songs from the Feather River Highway that was a Mike Not Solo release. 
Uh, we did a live DVD and album um, where we did the entire Rocket or the Bomb record, kind of an anniversary thing. Um, put a band together and did that. And uh, then I just I helped them recently re-release Waking Up the Dead on vinyl. While that was going on, I was starting to uh, do my own stuff. I've had a few projects that I've just released by myself, uh, one called Western Grace. Then Cast the Dragon kind of started happening. That one, I, um, the original demo I did, I played all the instruments on it. And uh, I liked the songs, but didn't like how they came out. So I uh, contacted Jim Chaffin, who was from Crucified and Blamed, and he played on PTSD from LSU with us. So he was into playing drums, and uh, yeah, it just kind of went from there, I guess. So. Well, you've kept Cast the Dragon in the punk vein, but it's yeah. still different from most of the punk bands that you hear. Yeah. A lot of early, like, Ramones and The Damned influence a lot of that old 70s punk, and then uh, some hardcore 80s stuff kind of mixed in there. Some goth influences and stuff I've had over the years. So, And uh, what's, what's called horror punk, which, uh, like, the Misfits and bands like that, that's the term, but... I don't consider my band totally horror punk because horror punk bands, a lot of times they have a character and wear costumes and uh, all the songs are about horror movies and subjects like that. And I, I don't really get into that. So. You do have one song that could fall into that. One that I've already gotten into, Through the Black. Okay. You know, yeah. And it's probably because the synth style takes me back to the stuff the Deadlines recorded. So, yeah. lyrically, it is that type of horror punk. Yeah, in a, in a sense, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was going to have um, Sean Browning, who's Wretched, and Grave, the band Grave Robber, he was going to play guitar on the album, but we were unable to work that out. But he uh, connected me with Scott Shaw from Leper, who did the keyboards on the record and stuff. And explain to people that aren't familiar with Leper, who is really probably more goth than horror end of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very goth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've met him many times. Yeah, he's a great guy. You had a comment that was attached to the album release that ties into the song It's Supernatural. You'd said, It's sad how some people can't look past denominations, doctrine, eschatology, cosmology, and theology to see the good fruit in others <laughs> with a different interpretation than their own. I sometimes thought that Christians can become too cloistered. Should the church be truly universal? Um, I think there's so much to offer from so many of the denominations and stuff. Um, and a lot of this is we're, we're going to find out the ultimate truth when we've passed and are in heaven and everything is revealed to us, you know what I'm saying? Like, my thoughts and ideas of uh, my faith have changed so much throughout the years, and I, I can't just sit and nail down, this is how it is, you know. These are the, the absolutes and answers to certain certain aspects of it. And there, there are absolutes with uh, who Jesus is and who God is and the Holy Spirit and that. Just being on any social media, the, the arguing that goes amongst our brothers and sisters it's just it's it's heartbreaking sometimes really and it's it's tough then what were your intentions with the album like what point were you trying to get across with it um well uh i guess it depends on the song there's there's a lot of um just trying to tap into that supernatural side of it 
it's not of the flesh. I mean, you kind of have to step outside of that. You were born again. You were like a child of the Most High God. Um, it's a you know thinking about God's kingdom and His will. And uh, I went through a lot of like kind of heavy spiritual warfare stuff. And I know not everybody goes through that. Uh, I had what was called sleep paralysis. The song "Scream Out His Name" that really touches on that sleep paralysis. It's kind of a demonic attack, pretty much, and I had it for a lot of my life. I mean, I'm talking well over 30 years of, of my life, from childhood through adulthood and stuff. It's pretty much freezing up. Like, you're awake. You know something's happening to you, and it, it does not feel good. It's, it's a darkness that's in the room with you. That all stopped for me about six years ago, and I, I finally was able to utter Jesus's name out. Because uh, I grew up going to church, but I definitely drifted away around the time I was in my early 20s and got into a lot of uh, a lot of new age stuff and uh, just went down a, a wrong path. And I think I opened doors and uh, let some things in I shouldn't have and lived a night bought. I was fixing it up before her and my children moved up from where we were at. And um, one of these attacks happened, and I was able to, to get Jesus's name out, and it stopped since then, and that, that really got me back on track to where I'm at now. You know, I don't think that anybody would ever call Annihilate the Adversary an easy listening album. No. <laughs> because you pulled out all the stops, like songs like No NWO or New World Order, where it says, I'm a pacifist till I get pissed then I'll pass a fist in righteousness because I'm right in this unrighteous mess of unholiness. Lately, I've been hearing more talk about New World Order because of how governments are handling the pandemic. Was that what you were aiming for with the song? Yeah, I would say so for sure. There's definite things going on. When you when you go down the rabbit trails of things like uh, Bohemian Grove, and um, that's, that's out in California, um, I think people, if they go and research, they'd see what I'm talking about. But there's there's an occult aspect to what a lot of people in government do, and they keep it kind of secret. But it's uh it's kind of in plain sight too. I mean, if you if you look for it, you'll you'll see what some of these people are into. It's not how they portray themselves in public, the lives that they're living behind the scenes. It's easy to see what they're doing when you delve in and go down those rabbit trails and look. Well, you got to tell me, how are Christians reacting to this? Because again, as I said, it's not a comfortable album. Um, so far, pretty good. I'm, you know, waiting to see what, what happens down the road. It's all been word of mouth right now. So my little niche of bands and stuff, there are people I know that are already into this. So they're, they, they're enjoying it and liking that there's a punk band talking about these subjects because there's not really been a whole lot of that. Maybe Scattered Few would be the only band I could think of in Christian punk rock that's ever gone into subjects like this. But so far, I've had really good response. People have been really liking the album a lot. So so there's been no hate mail happening? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I know how it gets. Uh, I approach it with, you know, as loving as I can with people and try to have good fruit, just represent God and do the best I can with that. Well, speaking of God, you finished Annihilate the Adversary with The Beginning and the End. And that took me by surprise because, effectively, it's a worship song. 
So I, I, I'm waiting to hear, will you be singing this at church? Uh, it's possible. I mean, because I, <laughs> I play in a worship band at my church, I've thought about uh, kind of reworking it more to that environment and stuff and seeing how it goes over. That was the last lyrics I wrote for the album, and I really wanted to have that foundation of that's the answer to all the problems that I cover on the record. This has been a cool talk about Cast the Dragon. Thanks for coming, Joshua. Thank you for having me.